Welcome into the Atlanta football party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside with me are Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, and Tori McElhaney to ring in October and maybe give you guys a little collective hug for what happened yesterday. Yeah, collective hugs all around. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Let's start with our top three with JD, Free, and Tori. And listen, it was not a pretty sight in London. Let's just, you know, keep that real. Let's just be honest about what we saw yesterday. However, there are always some takeaways, good, bad, or indifferent when we are talking Falcons. So we know, of course, that they dropped the game yesterday, 23 to 7, the final. And let's start with you, Jarvis. We talked about this a little bit pre-show, and there's someone that you feel may need a hug and may need to come back home and might reset. Yes, Desmond Ritter. He needs the hug. He needs to be around his wife before he goes to the game. And I think just for him to to play the way he did in that first half, let me let me let me just say this before I get to my my point. He played awful in that first half. And for a lot of people who start want to start blaming Arthur Smith because they don't want to blame put some blame on some blame. Notice I said some some blame on Desmond Ritter. They start talking about the play calling and it's all on the offensive line. And when that's that stuff is just not true because there were plenty of moments, you know, after going back and watching, checking out the game for a second time to get some some better eyes on it because, you know, Lord knows that was early in the morning and I was, they weren't doing too much to keep my attention, you know, while they were over there in London. But I think that looking at the thing, it was, Ritter was just very hesitant. I think there were some times where he, there was pressure, obviously, you know, because they didn't have enough guys to block or the um, protection was called, um, and, not where it's supposed to be, not didn't go where it was supposed to be, but you still had opportunities. The wide receiver still was snapping their head around when they saw those guys walking up into the line of scrimmage, and they know that more than likely they hate. They were about to get ready to come and send pressure. More than got more, more they're going to have more guys than you actually had to protect. So I, I think that being being that, that that was the case with Desmond Ritter, I really like the fact that hey, he, you saw some promise in the second half, but. Yeah. It, it can't be a scenario where you are going into the, the Houston Texans and you're playing at home, which we're used to you playing well at home. The numbers, those splits between home and away are vastly different. And I even asked uh, Coach Smith about that. And he's just like, it's all about finding comfort. So I think that before people start calling for the man's job, I think you got to see how he plays at home. Because if, he does, if there's a situation where he comes home, and Mercedes-Benz, and you still seeing some of that hesitancy, not hitting your hot reads, not predetermining your throws before the ball is even snapped and trying to figure out what coverage they're in, like, that's when I feel like we need to start having that conversation. But, yeah, I, I do feel like he'll, he'll play, play a lot better coming into this, this game against the Houston Texans for sure. Yeah, now there is someone who, and put a pin in that one, in terms of don't give up on him yet. We'll go back to that with Des Ritter in just a minute. But first, Aaron, we actually want to talk about the more positive. I won't say the most because Tori's got a good one too, but you guys are going to talk a little bit about the positives. And one of those is seven 
So yeah. leave it right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier uh, before we started recording about, you know, we, we felt bad for all the international fans that got a chance to go to the game and, and to see, you know, what Jarvis is talking about, that kind of stinker of a first half. But, you know, Bijan was anything but stinking. And he's <laughs> worth the price of a mention. Uh, he was basically a human highlight reel. I only got to see a few of those plays on the Toy Story broadcast, but uh, they look pretty good, uh, you know, in, in terms of that with some of the juke moves and the one-handed catches and breaking uh, uh, some big gains that really kind of set and got the offense on track. So he he has been, you know, well worth the draft pick. I know that's been something that's been much litigated uh, in online spaces and whatnot, but he's certainly looking like, you know, a, a I wasn't going to even say a man amongst boys. He's a, a giant amongst men uh, in this Falcons offense. And I think that was fully on display uh, against the Jaguars in London. Yeah. When I look back at, and of course, you know, it's, it's relatively speaking, but yeah, I mean, he is, and we got a lot out of Kyle Pitts in his first, you know, that first season that, and really the first half of that first season before, of course, the injury, but ultimately speaking, when I think about Kyle and I'm thinking about the weapons, right. Um, at skill positions from the last couple of drafts. And I think about Drake London and no offense to KP or Drake, but my God, like Bijan Robinson really, really is something special. And Tori, the other positive and the other thing that is starting to develop into something special that we are all really liking what we see is the de defense and the defensive effort game in game out. I mean, Tori, they put it on the line every single week and put the Falcons in position to win, even when they start out a little bit slow, they just keep ramping and ramping. And let's face it, 23 to seven really happened in the first half, thanks to that defense. But to your point, the offense, that's the challenge. And where where does this put the defense and how does this make them feel? Yeah, that, I think that's like my biggest question. There's a question that I had for Arthur Smith after the game. It's like, how do you evaluate defensive morale at this point? You're four games in and the defense, have they been perfect? No, they haven't been. There are a lot of explosives that they want back. There are probably a few plays that they want back. They've allowed quarterbacks, I think, to leak out a little bit more than what they would want to as well. Yeah, but overall, when push comes to shove, this is a defense that shows up. And this is a defense that has kept – the Falcons in games and kept them alive. But the problem is, is, is that when the ball gets back into the hands of the offense, there's no reward for what the defense has been doing. We've seen, especially over the last two games against Detroit and Jacksonville, that this defense came up with significant and key stops that never resulted in points scored by the offense. And that's, I think, the issue. And I think as, as you're looking at this defense, it's kind of like, a little, uh, you know, frustrating. If I'm if I'm a defender in this in this team, it's like I'm going out here and I'm doing everything I can to get the ball back to you with minimal damage done, and there there's nothing coming from that. So I think like when I ask Arthur Smith that, I think it was pretty warranted to kind of ask about like where this defense feels in, in terms of if what they're not getting from the offense right now. And, and he said that his response to that was basically like, we have the right guys in the locker room to where it's not going to splinter. And I think like, that's, I think that's all well and good at two and two right now. But if this continues, I, I can't imagine that there's not frustration that leaks over into the coming weeks. If this yeah. offense doesn't get, kind of on track and to where it is more of a complimentary style of football being played because the last two weeks, that's that's not been the case. 
Yeah, and if the defense is able to somehow, even if it's, you know, the Texans can score. I mean, let, let's just face it. And, of course, we're going to talk a little bit with a look ahead later. But when you're talking about a team that scored uh, 25 points, 31, 37, I mean, that team can just score at will. And 30 in the last game against my beloveds. But anywho, that team can just score at will. So it's something to where you have to absolutely, the offense has to get going and has to get going sooner rather than later. And when I say that, meaning you can't have a first quarter where we're talking six plays and five yards like that, that anemic performance just cannot happen against the Texans because unless I'm seeing it wrong, the way the Falcons are currently constructed, kind of how they move. If the Texans jump out to that kind of lead, knowing what they can do in the second half, that's a recipe for disaster. But we're going to talk a little bit more about what our team is confident about and what they're concerned about in a minute. But first, Jarvis is going to tell us about FanDuel. What's going on, good people? I want to let you know that this episode of the Atlanta Football Party is brought to you by FanDuel. Guess what? It is the number one sports book in America. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. All you got to do is go to the app. I'm telling you, it's, it's safe, secure, it's super easy to use. You don't have to worry about anybody getting all your information and all that craziness. Yes, they got it right there for you. And guess what? They have a wide range of betting options as well, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. And speaking of over-unders, how about this? I know the Falcons are playing against the Houston Texans. You know, the Houston Texans are putting up some nice points. But the Falcons have been struggling putting up points. So go to the FanDuel app and check out what that over-under might be for that game. You might want to put some money on it. All you got to do is drop $5, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. All you got to do is drop a $5 bet. That's it. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season because FanDuel is the official Sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. Now, whew, let's get down to it, guys. We're going to do that a little bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Because I feel like I have the woosah, right? <laughs> there it is. I feel like I have the woosah from yesterday as well because it was, it was like that, just a puzzling situation. And granted, this is not the kind of show that does an overreaction Monday at all. But there are some chinks in the armor that legit make you concerned. And one of the things I thought about was this. If the league has legit caught up with the Falcons, run-minded offense, are you confident at this point or concerned about the Falcons resolving their futility on offense? I'm concerned. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll say that. Like, I, I'm concerned because I think like the last two weeks has, has brought concerns. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is a situation where you look at the way that Detroit and Jack and Jacksonville were able to play this team and how little offensive success they were able to have, especially early in games. It's just, it is cause for concern. And this, you know, this is a Houston, Texas team that is coming in after two pretty significant wins. This is a Texans team that's probably feeling as good as they felt in a long time. So yeah. I think if the Falcons don't – and I think it was Drake London who said this in the locker room after the loss on Sunday in London. Like, it, it was kind of like what's holding – the question was like what's holding this offense back? And he said, you know, maybe it's ourselves. I think we have to take a long look in the mirror about what we are and what we want to do. And I think that's 
that's kind of where I stand right now, too, if I'm looking at this. Like, there is ca- cause for concern. And if you're not looking at the mirror and you're not making necessary changes, it's not going to get better. Yeah. yeah I and Aaron, I think, go ahead. I, was just, I think it's more than fair. I, it, going back to something that Jarvis mentioned at the top, it, it did feel like in the first half that, like, they just couldn't get anything going. We've been talking all year long about getting this team into a rhythm. And mm-hmm. when Desmond Ritter... You know, not to put all the blame on him, but, you know, a significant portion of it does seem to fall at his feet where some of the reads and some of the decisions that he's either making, which are putting this team in a bad spot, leading to some of the turnovers or not making, which are the times when he can make those throws when they're open and not pulling the trigger on things. That's forcing the offense to, you know, it it feels like Arthur Smith is kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place talking about the play calling and the criticisms because it's like then you have to kind of dumb things down and that makes you a little bit more predictable and that's easier for defenses to stop as a way to try to build back up your confidence with the quarterback to get back to a level where you can just feel like okay if I if I call this play on third and one I call this play on second and ten that we can execute the basic things in our offense that's going to allow us to start to build off of this and that's something that we just haven't consistently seen we've seen glimpses of it a drive here a drive there but they just have not been able to consistently stack those types of drives and that leads to a lot of concern because it's like at some point you have to be able to have a functional offense and we just have not seen that the last two games and again going back to what Jarvis said like hopefully they can get back to being that playing at Mercedes Benz over these next two weeks and, and start to build off of that but right now I, I don't think you can be particularly confident at all that they can do those things at this point. And, and, and to kind of add to that, like that's the one thing that Arthur Smith doesn't want to be on offense is obvious because the way that those linebackers for Jackson, for the Jacksonville Jaguars were just flying up to, to the line of scrimmage when, when the Desmond Ritter put that ball out to stick it in his gut. And then for, there were times where, they were they were flying up and he pulled it and there was there was the read was right there. It was so yeah. easy. And I'm just like, oh my God, dude, get rid of the football. And he just was for some reason he was just hesitant to pull the trigger. And I think that I'm not sure what it is. Like, and I even like just to be able to say, hey, how do you put your finger on that? Like, what is going on in your mind when you're being that hesitant? And I think that that hesitancy is gonna lead to you being obvious, saying, okay, every time seven in the game. More than likely they're going to get it to them, whether they're going to be running it or yep. dumping it to them out of the backfield. Or you're going to have start guys, start seeing guys like doubling up on this cat, too. If he continue to know that what people know what's coming on defense and he's still able to make plays, they're going to they're going to they're going to really start trying Desmond Ritter. You think you think it's, you think it was uh, difficult for them to move the football in their first half uh, against Jacksonville? Wait till that. They, uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan's get his hands on that tape. I promise you, you're going to start seeing more guys start to key more and more on Bijan, and they're going to literally not force Desmond Ritter to make a play. They are going to say, hey, you can't make plays, so here's what we're going to do. Yeah, and I think, too, that's an interesting concept, and I, I don't know that we can even answer it four games in because I made this comment to someone this morning. He is now at the the midpoint of his rookie season, if we're being honest, because he's eight games in. So he's technically at the midpoint of, you know, his first year, his rookie season. And I was thinking, you know, at Cincinnati, he had slow starts. Like he built up 
to and fourth quarter, you know, so he looks the same as he did. So that might be something that is a mindset that has to slowly but surely kind of reset because if that's who you are inherently, then that's just who you are inherently, but you can make tweaks to that so that the, the mind can just have a little bit more of a fast twitch and then the body can kind of follow. But again, still want to kind of give him some grace because at the end of the day, it still is eight games. And if you put that eight games together, it's, it is very challenging, I think, for him to still kind of be at the point in place where he's able to command this offense. Now, that said, however, that said, however, and and I'm, I'm not one of these people, by the way, but some people are like the hell. It's the bench rig combos that have officially begun all over social media and on some level with some reporters. So. I don't think that's what it is, but I'm going to ask you guys. And Tori, I want to start with you. Is it Heineke time? I mean, are you confident or concerned about Rid getting benched? Confident or concerned about the readiness of Taylor Heineke if it happens? So I think for me, it's still too soon to, to have those conversations. I think I'm in agreement with you. I think that there are a lot of issues in this offense. And I think that to just put it on Desmond Ritter and to just say that this is why these last two games this offense hasn't worked I think is not particularly fair I think it goes back to something that Aaron was saying before where it's like the Falcons offense needs to do the basics right they need to do the basics well and getting kind of back to to being able to do that is Mm -hmm. important and I think that if you were to pull Desmond at this point you're kind of I don't know I feel like you're not giving giving the guy a chance to be who you want him to be who you think he can be and I in even saying that we have seen moments where Desmond Ritter has turned it on and Mm -hmm. marched down the field and conducted this offense very well I mean you saw it against Carolina and Green Bay so do the the guy overall is what four and four so let's pump the brakes I think on putting Taylor Heineke back in there. And, you know, you said at the, in the, the start of the offseason that Desmond Ritter is your QB1. Figure out what you need to figure out to keep him there if it's working. And so I think to, to try and pull him now, it's just I, I don't necessarily agree with that decision at this point. Um, yeah. I, I, if things progress in a different way, ask me again in a couple of weeks, maybe I feel mm-hmm. differently. But at yeah. this point right now, I can't say that I, I would be re- ready to to pull Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's, am I concerned? Absolutely. But am I confident enough to keep him in so we can see if there's a possibility for him to build, get, get going early and often and then continue to build on things? Yeah, I'm confident that there's possibility and opportunity to build. And, and something I'll add to is that I, it goes back to the point I was making before. I think there are bigger issues in this offense right now. Yes. It's collect. It's collective. Collect, yeah, it's collective a problem offensively right now. It, Desmond Ritter is a part of that, but he's not mm-hmm. the whole the whole picture. It's not the whole story. Yeah, I would agree because if, you know there are times when I'm watching him and I'm thinking to myself like that's a catchable ball, Kyle Pitts. That's a catchable ball, Drake London. I don't think we say that often enough because some of it, you know, will lay at their feet. And I know that there was excitement 
around the continuity for the O-line with the exception, of course, of Matt Bergeron. But there was, you know, excitement about, hey, we've got all these pieces back. This should really work well in our stead. I don't know that we're kind of seeing that as much as we did even last season. Like, it, it makes you wonder. Like, we never, I don't think I've ever said multiple games wow, what happened on that right side with Chris Lindstrom? I might've said it with the guy next to him, but I don't think I've said that a whole heck of a lot. And I don't think that I've said in a minute what's wrong with the, across the O-line, right? So I think to your point, Tori, you can almost go to all pieces of that offense and maybe have a head scratcher that we're still not all sure we can answer. Yeah, and I think to to add to that, T, like, and I even asked Arthur about this too, because a lot of times, like, people wanted to blame all the sacks on the offensive line. And we just know that's not the case. The O-line and the quarterback are married to each other. This is a a, a work a back and forth relationship, right? Like you can look at all 11 sacks and say, okay, it was probably the offensive line on this one. Okay, it was probably Desmond Ritter on this one. And and you kind of and go back and forth. Like and I think that the level of expectation that coming into the season for the offensive line has probably been the best since it's been since shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Like the previous regime, like we have to go back as far as that, you know, maybe that 2016 mm-hmm. offensive line, because like I felt very confident about, you know, um, the offensive line coming into the season, you know, yeah. barring my, Matt Bergeron. And for the most part, we haven't been calling his name that much. Right. <laughs> so so obviously he's been from an obvious standpoint, like he's been playing pretty solid. So, you know, for his first year playing left guard, playing a whole new position and everything. So I'm not going to place any blame there. So it's just. It's just kind of weird almost seeing that, hey, what's going on with 63? Like, wait a minute, what? You talking about a dude, one of the highest paid guards in the NFL? There has been nothing but consistent since he came in, walked through the door in Flowery Branch. So I, I just think now it's just a matter of the offensive line getting living up to their expectations. And then as we go into these, these next couple of home games, Desmond Ritter being comfortable and, and, and you know, and, and playing that way, like he's been when, since he's um, been playing at Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, I, I'm I'm of similar mind. I don't think it's time to pull the plug. It, I, I can understand, you know, fans wanting that plug to be pulled because, you know, <laughs> yesterday's game. They want the new toy. Yeah, it, was, like, yeah. it was rough. I'm tired like, of the first toy. half was very rough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the quarterback put you in a, in a bad spot, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you. I don't, I don't think it's always fair to, to think of football this way, but like if you want to, you can just basically say he lost us the game because of the bad spots he put us in in the second quarter. Um, but like it's one out of eight games he's played. And as Tori was saying, I do feel like even though the other seven games, it wasn't like he was lighting the league on fire, but you saw glimpses of good play. You even saw a little bit of it in the third quarter, not enough uh, in this uh, Jaguars game, but you, you see glimpses of it. And I think, you know, a big part of this season, you know, given the high expectations, but I think people forget that like a big part of what the Falcons needed to figure out is, is Desmond Ritter the guy as they built up the rest of the roster is Desmond Ritter the guy that can kind of steward this team back into being a contending team. And so far the early returns aren't, what we want them to be, but it doesn't mean that you just basically pull the plug and, and, and say, well, he's definitely not the guy. Now we may, as Tori said, we may find in a couple of weeks, we might be saying, yeah, I don't think he's the guy, but I think you give him the time, the opportunity as a young quarterback 
to work through these struggles, see how he responds to adversity because he's not the first young quarterback in the NFL to have to right. deal with adversity. And so how he responds, how the team responds is going to tell you a lot about him, this team, and all these things moving forward. So I do think you give him a couple of weeks, these two home games, you got a couple of road games after that. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of October, I think you might have a more definitive answer, but I don't think turning to Taylor Heineke at this point is yeah. going to get you closer to that answer. Indeed. Indeed. So yeah, listen, everydayers, what do you guys have to say about it? If you want to pop back and tell Jarvis, then do it using subtext. All right, people, it's in the description box right now. So all you got to do is just click that link and you subscribe to our subtext on Locked On Sports Atlanta. If you've been trying to figure out a question, it's in the middle of the night, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you just got to fire that bad boy off, just shoot shoot a text. I don't know if we're going to get back to it right then and there, but hey, at some point, somebody's going to respond to you, I promise you. So all you got to do is just check out, go to the description box on YouTube and click on that link and it's in, the link is in on your podcast description as well. So Make sure you check us out on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast. All right, guys, a little rapid fire round as we wrap up. I want to take you a little bit backwards and then we're going to move it forward as well. And I want to hear you guys give me just your one answer, one word answer on where you want to go. So 2022, same start, two and two. Got a win against the Seahawks, a win against the Browns, lose to the Saints. And that, of course, was season opener, lose to the Rams. Now, 2023. Two and two start for the Falcons. A win against the Panthers, win against the Packers, loss against the Lions, loss to the Jaguars. When you think about how the Falcons got to two and two last year versus this year, are you confident or concerned they can end this season better than seven and ten? I'm concerned that I asked how they lost these games, right? Because given how the defense has played, given how you know, um, they've able to, been able to get to the quarterback. Now, there have been some moments where, like, all right, you got a lot, of, a lot of time back there to throw the football. But for the most part, you start to see that that defensive line start to ramp, the, ramp, the, ramp up that pressure. So I think that when – and then we got the whole Desmond Ritter piece, right? Like, Marcus Mariota kind of shielded a lot of stuff with his mobility, right, being able to run the – Run the um, run the football as a quarterback. We know what that kind of um, problems that presents to to opposing defenses, and but you don't necessarily have that. Really, he can do it, but I think that I'm concerned as to how they've been losing these games more so than them having the same record. I just think these records aren't one and the same. I, I feel okay, like there's and that's kind of what I was more concerned to it yep. there as well. So, Tori, yep. when you look at the two and two from 2022 and the two and two from 2023. Do you feel like this team has the ability to be better and therefore go, you know, and have a better record than that seven and 10? Yeah, I feel like on paper, this is a more complete team from top to bottom, um, especially based on the salary cap constraints of last year and then going and actually getting some some big time players on, on defense particularly. So I feel a bit more confident in especially when looking at the schedule overall in comparison to what it looked like going from week four on last year to week four on this year. I do feel like there are some differences, especially even though we have been talking a lot about the offensive issues. Like Mm -hmm. I I still think when, when you have some of these key pieces, they're going to find a way at some point to get some momentum going. Indeed. How about you, Aaron? You're looking at that two and two in the 2022 season versus 23 confident that a, this is a different kind of two and two and B that they can ascend past that seven and 10 record. Yeah, I'm I'm confident. Uh, you know, 
we'll see in a couple of weeks. But like uh, at this point, I'm still confident because the defense. I, I just feel like this defense is going to keep you in every game. I didn't feel like that last year. I just felt like you were just holding on for dear life, and you were just basically like, uh, let's just hope you know that the run game and all that stuff is is dominant, and then everything else is just like just don't make enough mistakes, and maybe we'll be in a in a chance to win the game late. But I feel like with this team, like you're going to be in every game and going up against good quarterbacks like the Falcons have the last two games, they were, you know, in the game in the third yes. quarter, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, the offense wasn't able to take advantage of those opportunities. But I feel like that's going to be the case every single week. And, you know, un- until we see otherwise, I, I feel like that's going to yeah. put them in a position to be much better than seven and ten this year. And I agree with you. When I saw the and and being at the 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 um, home op- well not the home opener second home game and thinking okay the Falcons are going to win this like there was a different level of confidence that they would win and I know I didn't have that same feeling or that same confidence watching them at this time last year. So yeah, great point. Now let's actually put what happened in London to bed and let's look ahead to the Falcons' next opponent, the Houston Texans. We talked about it a little bit earlier, the fact that this team is a team that can score at will. They're firing on all cylinders in all three phases of the game. So you're looking at the fact that, hey, you know that the Falcons' offense obviously is going to have to get off to a better start or a faster start, but is this defense, is the defense really the one that needs to jump on C.J. Stroud and company? Because one thing about the Falcons' defense, it does get better as the game goes on, but I don't think you can afford to do that when it comes to how quickly the Texans score. Yeah, so, I think it's going to be a matter of them heating up C.J. Stroud, whether it be yeah. guy uh, that front four or mm-hmm. even bringing that um, pressure from the second level as well, and sometimes even third level. I think Jesse Bates is a guy that uh, the weapon you need to utilize a little bit more, you know, yeah. as far as uh, putting pressure on the quarterback as well. So I think there's – there are some spots that I feel Ryan Nielsen needs to pick early, more, earlier on in games that I feel like that's what you do to rookie quarterbacks. You throw yeah. stuff at them because more than likely they haven't seen what you what you have prepared for them. So I think that if he can do that, I feel like the Falcons are, are being a good spot. Yeah, Tori, I agree with the third level because when Jesse Bates, we were all watching his thievery, but he also had the highest number of tackles for that particular game, both solo and just overall. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. But what do you think, Tori, in terms of, yes, we know it's on the offense to get going fast, but the defense has got to be ready to rock and roll and keep C.J. Stroud in check early, too. Yeah, I think definitely. I I just feel like I'm not as worried about the defense. Like, and maybe that's, like, nonchalant of me to kind of, like, be like, well, like, They'll figure it out. They'll be fine. Like, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how this defense makes me feel is like, yes. even if they give up an explosive sure. here or there by the end of the game, I'm usually in the last four games, especially I'm usually not like super like, Oh, well, I wish the defense would have done this. or I wish the defense would have done this or I needed more out of the defense here. I don't necessarily think I felt that way. I feel like I trust this defense in a way that maybe I don't trust the offense at this point because of the issues we've seen over the last two weeks. So for me, it's like, even if they don't come out like super, super hot in the first two drives of uh, this Texans game, that's okay. Because as long as they're turning it on when it matters most, I'm all right with that. Yeah. How about you, Aaron, real quick. What are your thoughts in terms of what the defense needs to do? Do they need to be the ones we're kind of looking to say, Hey, faster start. Yeah. I think, I, I think this is a different, 
matchup with CJ Stroud than it was with Bryce Young. I think the Falcons yeah. in that week one game were like, yeah, we're, we're not worried about you, Bryce Young. You're not going to do anything to us. And right, I think yeah. you, you, CJ Stroud has done more than enough this year that you have to legitimately be worried about him. So I do feel like the defense is going to need to come to play. Um, and this, this is not your quote unquote typical rookie quarterback, but yeah. I'm of like mine with, with Tori. Like I, I feel pretty good about this defense at this point that is going to keep this Falcon in the game. There's probably going to be a game at some point this year where the defense just doesn't have it that day. And yeah, maybe yeah. that's this Sunday, uh, against the Texans. But until we get that game, like, I'm not going to, I'm not losing any sleep worrying about that at this point. Indeed. Yeah. CJ Stroud hits different, but being at home hits different as well. So we definitely hope that it's a good look for the Falcons in a reset this coming weekend. Thanks for stopping by the Atlanta football party. You're home for the best Falcons football talk, but also you're home for the dog party on Tuesday. So we will see you tomorrow.